Warning, this podcast is rated not safe for work for profanity, sexual innuendo, and general silliness. Welcome, witches. You found yourself at the Macabre Academy yet again or for the first time. <laughs> Welcome back to all of our old listeners. Welcome to our new listeners. Uh, you've picked a hell of a week to tune in. Buckle up. This is going to be a fucking ride. It is a ride. It's fine. Real quick, I want to do a roll call just in case there's a new listener. I keep hoping. <laughs> all right. I'm a nerdy witch and uh, I go by Steffi and I am House Barnum. I am Brandy. I go by Trash and I'm Not House wrong. Nevermore. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Kevin. I'm of House Veritas, I believe. And uh, this week is going to be all me, baby. So um, it's the first time I've done this ever. So we're in for a ride. Uh, if you guys don't want to listen to some, polit- some political bullshit, uh, I'll catch you next episode. But there's a lot going on in the world, and we need to discuss it. Mm-hmm. Amen. So before we dump, before we dive into the hard-hitting shit, how's everybody's week? Thing is only Tuesday. It's Wednesday. Or Wednesday. We talked on Monday. Steph and Chris cut off all my hair yesterday and we dyed it and I feel pretty and I love it. And I had a little bit of a panic attack, but it's fine. We're great. I think that we had a really empowering week as women. Yes. Because like we were discussing our relationship. Oh, that is short. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a mid length bob. I love it. It's so so it's still long enough to pull, which is always a which is always a good thing. Yeah, you're not That's wrong. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we're both in a point where like our relationships are not where we want them to be. Our life is not what we want them to be. So we were having empowerment the last couple of days where we were coming together as women. We were supporting each other. We were, you know, sharing ideas, giving advice, and and and. All three of us, the women that spent time the last three days, are all women who don't get along with women. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy, but, but we got along. We did. And we were supporting each other emotionally and physically. And it was just a really nice time because I'm not used to being around all them those girls at once. Right. So to be there with my, my best friends and they're all female for a change was really cool. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. How's your week going? You know, it's another week. At, the world's on fire. And the world's on fire. Shit. <laughs> U.S. is burning. Um, if we make it till December, I'm going to be fucking shocked. But <laughs> So now that we've got the pleasantries out of the way, um, let's, dive into the, let's dive into the bullshit that's been happening in this fucking country. Fantastic. I, I, I never thought I'd live to see the day where our president has come out and said that he may or may not peacefully and amicably release power if he loses the election. I never thought this would be normalized by so many people. Is this the first time in history that that is happening? um, I don't know all of American history quite that well to really get into that. I can't um, remember that ever happening. Where somebody so like, it, it, had, it hasn't happened. Power. It hasn't happened in my lifetime. Um, Does that mean never, like he would start a war or like he would like start I, more riots or like I don't know. Um, okay. 
I, I would hope that our our service men, women, and non-binary pals would think long and hard about the oath they took, which is to defend the Constitution and not an individual person um, right. or flag or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all enemies, foreign and domestic, I, I hope that they would. I hope that they would take that seriously, and I hope that they would they would act accordingly. Um, maybe. It means he contests the election until the last possible second. Maybe it means he refuses to leave office and has to be dragged out by his shitty toupee, um, which is personally what I'm hoping for because I think that's fucking hysterical. But like, I want um, it to fall off. But in my 38 years alive, through many presidential elections, uh, Bush v. Gore, which was decided by the Supreme Court, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, that was the most contentious election I can remember. And that went off fairly well. Uh, Supreme Court made the decision over count in Florida. Gore said, okay, I'm out. Bush took office and we moved on with our lives. Uh, okay. There's never been in my history that somebody's already saying, well, the election might not be fair. The votes might not be proper. They might not be counted properly. I've never, I've never noticed it. I've never remembered this. Um, right. Of course, I really only started paying attention when I was about twenty. So, in the, but in the last eighteen years, I, I don't remember this ever being a thing. Especially this far ahead of the election, we're now 42, 43 days. Because mm-hmm. um, we're recording this on the twenty third of September um, to give you a timeline of where we are. Um, for the first time in history, I'm actually afraid for the direction of this country and the future of this country. And if this country will actually continue to be the country that I have grown up in. Um, now, granted, that country that I grew up in has been problematic long before I was alive. And it will continue to be problematic long after I'm dead, sadly, because we're not making any fucking progress. Yeah. Um, the second piece of We bullshit, are. It's just slow. It's so slow. Mm, it is. And I mean, I mean, it didn't really have, backpedal to the last four years. I'm just saying. I, I mean, we have a skewed. I mean, we have a skewed view of time. Anyway, you know, you leave a piece of silverware out on the counter, it gets black in a couple of days. An apple turns brown in a couple of minutes. A child grows up in a decade. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have a super long term understanding of time. It's it's very it's our our time is very short. Um. You know, 400 years ago, we didn't have cars. Mm-hmm. So we're a young country, too. If you look at like Ireland or India, they have history for thousands of years, the country, right? Like thousands. Right. And we only have a couple hundred years. That's it. But it does. You don't even have to look back that far to see how other dictators have come to power and the things that they've said about elections not being free and fair and this and that and that and this, and then maybe we shouldn't have elections and maybe we shouldn't transfer power and all the other bullshit. And you can draw a very stark parallel to what's happening right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to move away from that because if I keep going on, I'm never going to get off this. So I'm going to move on to the second piece of bullshit that happened today, which was the charges leveled against one of the three cops who shot and killed a woman in her goddamn fucking bed. Yeah. They, I knew, I knew the ruling wasn't going to be good when at the start of the week or the end of the weekend. I can't exactly remember. 
they started putting out notices that certain places are going to be blocked off. They've already instituted martial law, maybe not martial law, but they've started instituting laws and things to start to quell the protests that they knew were going to happen. So I knew that nothing serious was going to happen to these three cops who broke into this woman's house and shot her in her fucking bed. But why did they think they had justification? They served a no-knock warrant at the wrong address. So First this of all, is a I can case go on. I, I get in fights with. People I can go about, on about. I can go on. No, I can go on about no-knock warrants for fucking days. So I'm going to skip that. But go ahead, Brandy. So like, I get in fights with like my parents. My parents are old. My dad's 66. My mom's 63. I think now. So they're boomers, and they're like, oh well, maybe she just shouldn't have been a criminal. I was like. It was the wrong address. She was asleep in bed. I was like, you don't get to complain because as a white male, as a white female, I don't have to worry about cops busting into my house and shooting me in my sleep. Right. Even if I am a criminal, whatever they want to say that is, I don't have to worry about that. So I don't have, no one really has the right to be like, oh, well, they're not guilty. They were doing their jobs. They weren't doing their fucking jobs. As no. white people, as white people, we are extremely privileged and probably me more so than anybody else on this call. Yeah, you are. I'm stri- because I'm a straight passing white male. Um, yeah, I have no I rights hold, to anything. So. I, I hold all of the privilege. Um, you do. In the country, just by, quite frankly, winning the genetic lottery, coming out white and male. Um, yeah. You know, I, I can have interactions with police officers where I don't end up shot. Like when I got stopped at a DUI checkpoint and the cop goes, give me your you know, license, well, you know, all that bullshit. So I hand it all mm-hmm. to him and he sees my license to care and he goes, oh, do you have a gun in the car? I said, yeah, it's over here. So he looks across my car to his partner who's on the other side of my car and goes, he's got a gun, but don't worry, it's fine. If I was even slightly brown, I'd be dead right now. You would, 100%. And the cops would have got away with it. Yeah. Like, okay, so listen. On this note, I have no rights to anything because right now I have tumors inside my uterus and on my one ovary. Next month, I'm getting my ovary taken out because they will not give me a full hysterectomy because I am a 25-year-old girl who is not married and who does not have children. It's fucking bullshit. I've hated that fucking thing forever. It's wrong. Right. Like, so now I have to be on chemo pills and I'm on all this shit because, well, we're not going to give you a hysterectomy. And if you were married without kids, your husband would have to sign off on that procedure. Exactly. That's fucking bullshit. Like, that's fucking bullshit. I will adopt. I will figure something out. Just take it out. I should have that right as a fucking human. What, to live? Make choices over your own body? Yeah. Exactly. I could go get a vasectomy like, tomorrow and nobody would ask me a goddamn thing. Yeah. My wife wouldn't have to approve it. Fucking nothing. No. Go in, snip it out, be done. Fuck. Fucking mosquitoes. <laughs> but I am really sorry to hear that, Brandy. That's terrible. Like, it fucking sucks. And I'm like, okay, let's just take it out. And they're like, well, what if you get married one day and your husband wants kids? And I'm like, well, then I tell him I can't have kids. And if we get divorced, we get divorced. That is what it is. Like, that's my problem. To deal We're with. thinking of staging a marriage just long enough for her to have the paperwork signed. So that I can get it all taken out. Yeah, I mean, that's absolute fucking bullshit. It absolute is. bullshit. It's it sucks. Fun.
fucking complete bullshit. So, um, the part that really set me off about this Breonna Taylor case, and I will say her name, um, was the fact that the cop who got charged, one out of the three cops got charged, and he got charged with willful endangerment, I believe is the actual charge that he got charged with. And the reason that he did that is because three of the rounds he fired missed the sleeping woman in her bed and went through the wall. So in this country, a, a white painted wall has more protection under the law than a black woman sleeping in her goddamn fucking bed. Yep. And that is goddamn fucking bullshit. And I don't care who of our listeners I piss off. If you think this is okay, don't fucking listen to this podcast ever fucking again. I don't want you here. Same. We've, seriously, go fuck yourself. No, seriously. We have, we've actually refunded a Patreon who started talking shit on George Floyd. I banned like, him and refunded all of his money because he tried uh-huh. to tell me what to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. Like, if you're going to sit here and be pissed off about this, fuck off. I don't care. Like, no. I know. This I'm podcast sorry. is designed to talk about hard things that people mm-hmm. don't want to talk about. Rape, <laughs> incest, murder. And that also goes with social injustice, political matters. I don't give a shit what it is. We're going to mm-hmm. discuss it. That's what the Macabre Academy is. Even the cutting thing, right? Like that made me really uncomfortable, but we needed to I talk know. about it. This needs to be talked about. So I want Kevin to go balls to the wall and talk about it same so that is that is absolute bullshit that these cops got charged with shooting a wall essentially i mean the charge is basically willfully endangering other people which is you know if i put three rounds through my wall i would be in jail right you know what i mean no matter no matter what the reason Mm -hmm. you know maybe i'm maybe i'm clearing my gun and i fuck up and i put a round through the wall i'm going to fucking jail and I'm probably going to be charged with attempted murder, not fucking willful neglect or willful endangerment or some other fucking bullshit these fucking assholes got charged with. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. Mm-mm. So, moving away from that, we are now going to move on to another not happy topic, um, which is the passing of our beloved uh, notorious RBG. No, no, notorious Ruth Bader Ginsburg who was a goddamn fucking pioneer and an amazing woman. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg used to instruct her clerks to get it right and keep it tight. So I will try to do the same. Um, Quite honestly, I'm going to fail at this. Um, This episode is going to be a lot of quotes from other sources. I know our listeners hate this, but people smarter than me have said things much better and more articulately than I ever could. I'm going to lean heavily on the words of female reporters because as a privileged straight passing white dude, I just don't feel comfortable using my own voice to talk about this. So I know you all hate this, but sorry, not fucking sorry. I'm just not. Um, Good. Sorry, not uh, sorry. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born in 1933 in Flatbush. Uh, her stoicism was, for, was forged uh, early on in her childhood in a house that she said or the smell of death, which is a great way to grow up. Uh, when she was two, her only sister died of meningitis. One day short of her high school graduation, her mother then died of cervical cancer. Oh, Jesus, what a fucking life, right? Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to skip this part because it doesn't even make sense to me. No. Uh, somebody had left a secret college fund for their daughters, and Ruth set out to accomplish what her sister had been denied, which is amazing. At Cornell, Ruth watched people she knew, many of them fellow Jews, lose everything to the McCarthyism. And she noticed that lawyers had both the principles and the profession to fight for that. Um, so as a pragmatic, as a pragmatic, uh, fuck, I fucked all that up. Let's try that all over again, shall we? Uh, at Cornell, Ruth watched as people she knew, many of them fellow Jews, lose everything to McCarthyism and noticed that lawyers had both principles and a profession, a pragmatic concern for a motherless girl whose father struggled in the fur business. Um, she never really lost her depression, her depression babyism, um, which is where you tend to hoard onto things, where you use things that you shouldn't, like using you know, plastic silverware, washing Ziploc bags, things like that. Um, well into her 80s, she could be spotted rummaging for coupons at the CVS at the Watergate, despite her marriage having left her quite wealthy. She first met her classmate, Marty Ginsburg. Ruth often recalled he was the only boy who cared that she had a brain. I like that. Um, I do too. She then went on to work at the Oklahoma Social Security office. Uh, she became pregnant, and was demoted, and sent on unpaid leave, which they then called maternity leave. No. This was not optional, and it was not paid. I took a big pay cut when I got pregnant. They gave me 10%, no, 20% of my regular pay to be off for six weeks. Yep. That was it. So wait, you want to hear some bullshit? Mm -hmm. Okay. The company we work for, a woman gets half of her pay for 12 weeks. A man gets his full pay for six weeks. Wait, what? Uh-huh. She gets more time, but she gets less pay. Uh-huh. I mean, technically, it's the same pay, but no, she gets no, no, more no. time. Mm -mm. In the company's just... eyes, but in everyone else's eyes, it's, yeah. And half the time, the leave company forgets to pay you, so you have to fight them. Just a fun little tidbit. This is a hard face palm right now. I know. It really is. I think you just broke your nose. So, uh, Ruth's lucky break came uh, in the working world came because she took a job that no other man would want. She wrote a book about Swedish civil procedure, which sounds mind-numbing, but was probably expertly done. Hmm. Um, she was then sent to live in Sweden, where she lived on her own for the first time for weeks on end, and she absorbed a public debate over what the point of women's liberation was if men stayed exactly the same, which we haven't come very far from that, have we? Mm -hmm. it's, nope. it's basically the same conversation now. We don't, we don't teach men to not abuse women. We don't teach men not to not rape women. We teach women to not put themselves in positions like that, which is fucking absolute bullshit. Um, and when you do teach your children that you're looked at as weird. Right. Like when you teach little boys to have respect for women, 
people see it as, oh, why are you doing that? Look, I'm, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Like I'm a huge free the knit fan. Mm -hmm. They're used to feed children. And the fact that they make society uncomfortable as a whole, just because they've been overly sexualized. No, no, no. Boys need to learn that that is part of natural anatomy and it's Mm -hmm. not sex. It's not. Feeding a baby in public is not sex. Me going swimming topless should not elicit sexual harassment or uncomfortableness from the people around me. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. I want to feel the breeze on my bosom too. Why? I know men with bigger tits than me. That's not fair. A lot of men have bigger tits than me. (laughs) Just saying. I know because I've seen your bra. I love you, but I saw it when you stayed over. <laughs> you did. It's the size of your three-year-old's head. Mm, not fair. Mm-mm. It's it's not. But, it's not. So when Ruth came back to this country, she took a teaching job at Rutgers Law. She swallowed the unapologetically lower pay. Because the dean told her, your husband makes good money. And she hid her second pregnancy under baggy clothes until she had renewed her contract. Which is some bullshit. Which is the overriding theme of this episode. That's some fucking bullshit. Just all bullshit. All of it. Uh Uh-uh. So. No. Yeah. um, Younger woman... Younger women were pushing her to take less shit. Um, the work of women, the work of the women who came before her, provided her a blueprint for this. Um, I keep saying "I'm a lot." God damn it! I hate fucking doing that. That's my in okay mere, tech. It's fine. I, I hate fine. it, but anyway, in a mere month, um, in a mere month of reading everything on women in the law library, she discovered that the law had for a century enshrined discrimination by treating it as a favor. The same thing that she'd been told her whole life. The next decade, she would then co-found the ACLU's Women's Rights Project and embark on the audacious legal strategy to transform the constitutional understanding of gender. Oh, these cases are, are, are interesting because they're all, all gender cases. There were, what, there was four that defined a huge change nationwide, okay? I I looked these up because I was just, I was fascinated. The first case is Reed versus Reed, which is 1971. And it was a case in which a woman could not be issued a credit card because she was a woman. Only men could have credit cards. Ruth won this case. And then there was another one in 73 that was Frontierio versus Richardson. And it was an issue over um, benefits of the U.S. military given to families um, being issued differently according to sex. Um, So you're not allowed to do that now. And then there was one with Weinberger versus Wessenfeld. This one I like the most, uh, 1975. The Social Security Act of 1935 violates the Fifth Amendment because it permitted widows, not widowers, 
to collect special benefits when caring for minor children. So this is a bit of a, a different mm-hmm. gender issue because it's gender equality. It's not just widowers, it's widows mm-hmm. too. Like it's or the other way around. So it's arguing that these men who lost their wives should get the same benefits taking care of children. And then um, there was Craig versus Boren in 1976, where men and women had different ages in which they were allowed to consume alcohol. So younger men had a right to drink alcohol before women did. And this violates the Fourth Amendment under the Equal Protection Clause. And I have a quote about these cases that I want to read because I like quotes too. Um, It said that these victories coming down to the years of 1971 and 1976 forced laws to change nationwide. It is impossible to overstate their impact. One moment, much of family tax and financial law was made of statuses that codified men as breadwinners and beneficiaries and women as dependents. And within just five years, all these laws were were declared unconstitutional. This is the work that she did as a lawyer before she ever hit the bench. It's so important. So important. Those were in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So she wasn't appointed to the bench until 1993 by Bill Clinton. And in recent years, she served as the most senior member of the court's liberal wing, constantly delivering progressive votes on the most divisive social issues of the day, including abortion rights same-sex marriage, voting rights, immigration, health care, affirmative action. She didn't so want she to was reti- on the bench as long as I was alive. Yes. Actually longer. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. She, yeah, she took the bench in 93. So she had an epic run. Uh-huh. She didn't want to retire because like so many women of her generation – it took her so long to become the person she was always destined to be. A self-described flaming feminist litigator. That year, 1970, which is one of the years Steph was talking about earlier, she taught Rutgers' first class on women and the law at the prodding of insurgent female law, uh, insurgent female law students that took on the cases of women and whose letters piled up on the local desk of the ACLU. If younger, if younger women, younger women, I keep saying women, if younger women pushed her to take less shit, the work of the women who came before her provided her an essential blueprint in how to do this. And Amir, oh, I already said that, that paragraph has been repeated. We're going to skip ahead. I warned you about that on the Google Docs. Yes, you did, and I <laughs> didn't listen. <laughs> I was gonna take it out, but I forgot. Hi, I'm trash. Maybe it's worth yeah. repeating. I'm the idiot who put it in twice, so that's, that's how fine. important it was. You were emotional when you did it. It's fine. I, I literally almost cried six times. I almost cried once reading this thing back to me. So uh I love that you're unapologetically male, but you don't suffer from toxic masculinity. I know. It's amazing. It's a compliment, I swear. It is. This is a direct quote from, from Ruth. My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president, president is installed. This was dictated to her granddaughter, 
Even in her dying days, RBG never stopped fighting for the country that she loved. This is a quote from John Roberts. Our nation has lost a jurist of historic stature. We at the Supreme Court have lost a cherished colleague. Today we mourn, but with confidence that future generations will will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we knew her, a resolute and tireless champion of justice. For those of you who don't know, John Roberts is the head conservative justice on the Supreme Court. So all of you assholes out there who are out who are celebrating her death and trying to slam home another goddamn conservative justice onto this thing. Eat her, dicks and die. Her main opponent on the Supreme Court found her to be, let me read this back to you, a cherished colleague. And we hope that we she will be remembered as we knew her, a tireless and resolute champion of justice. So if you think you know more than the head of the Supreme Court, go fuck yourself. You know what? There's sometimes your opponent isn't your enemy. And I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I took argument, re- argumentation and rhetoric as a college and high school course. And I think that helps shape some of my understanding of how you can disagree with somebody respectfully appreciate their work and their logic and how they present themselves, but be on a different side of an argument. That's not a fight. It shouldn't be a fight. It should be an exchanging of minds. It's, mm, it bothers me. Not every fight, not every argument is a fight and it doesn't need to be. It's not, you know what I mean? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I respected a lot of my opponents when I was doing debates and things. And if that was your primary debate challenger and you spent so many years working together, I'm sure they had a respectful relationship. Mm-hmm. There's there's no reason to believe otherwise, unless you're stupid. Well, I just, go ahead, Brandy. A lot, of, a lot of them are stupid. I get in a lot of fights with stupid people. They're out there and they're breeding. Mm. At the Supreme Court, she was perhaps best known for the opinion that she wrote uh, in U.S. v. Virginia. This is a discrimination case that held that the all-male admissions policy at the state-funded VMI, Virginia Military Institute, was unconstitutional for its ban on women applicants. Mm. There's been a lot of discussion lately about how she got the nickname Notorious RBG. And from what I found, it started on a post on Tumblr. I don't really understand Tumblr. I, I'm too old. <laughs> no one I does. I I, I kind of lost interest after they banned porn, to be quite honest. So, like, um, I grew up on Tumblr, and, like, I don't understand it. I've never seen a social media platform that had such a barrier to entry. Yeah. It's so weird. But apparently it works for them. Good on you. I don't know. It's got to be better than Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Notorious RBG is a spinoff of rap icon Notorious B.I.G. Mm. So that's kind of I saved fun. a post for this when we posted on social media of her as the Justice Tarot card. That's fantastic. I just, I just loved it so much. I kept it. 
like part of me wants it as a tattoo. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. So but. it's funny that you t it's funny that you said that because I was just about to say, in true Jewish grandma tradition, uh, people have started getting even before she passed away tattoos of RBG, and again, being the eighty six year old Jewish grandma that she was. She goes, I don't understand why people are doing this. Why would you want to put something permanent on your body? Mm. <laughs> Which is just the most Jewish grandma thing I could possibly really ever is. hear. Besides, you look thin. Are you hungry? And then when you say <laughs> no, she still brings out a seven-course feast. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So I, I, I found that little bit of levity in this situation to be, to be quite great because – God, we need it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. And this is a this is a quote, um, and I don't remember where I got it from. And I apologize to who wrote it because it's brilliant, and I should have written it down where I got it. Um, most of these quotes either came from uh, nymag.com or CNN. So if you want to find them, I would look at those two spots. I'm pretty sure this is a New York uh, New York Mag quote. Um, sadly, I don't have the authors the author's name on here because I wasn't on the article and I was too upset to actually dig for it. So my apologies to this brilliant young woman. Um, the quote is, it makes absolute sense that Justice Ginsburg has become the idol for younger generations. Justice uh, Elena Keegan, Kagan said in an event at the New York Bar Association in 2014, her impact on America and American law has been extraordinary. As a litigator and then a judge, she changed the face of American anti-discrimination laws. She can take credit for making she can take credit for making the law of this country work for women, and in doing so, made possible my own career. Uh, and again, that was Justice Keegan who said that. So, despite their ideological differences, her best friend on the bench was Justice Anthony Scalia. And if you know anything about Scalia, those two should not have been friends. <laughs> they, they should not have been. They should not have been homies. Um, uh, Scalia has also passed. Has also left us, um, sadly. Uh, after the conservative the conservatives justice's death in February of 2016, Ginsburg said he left her a treasure trove of memories. Which, like I said, if you know anything about the U.S. Supreme Court, those two are polar opposites. It was uncanny how different they were. And that they could be friends and best friends and speak so reverently of each other really should give us all some hope moving forward. That if we can get there, maybe we can get things back to a semi-normal state in this country where we're not at each other's throats. Where differences don't have to be the be all end all. Um, that's just me hoping out loud. <laughs> uh, she was a lifelong fan of the opera. She appeared on stage in 2016 at the Kennedy Center for a non-speaking role in Washington's National Opera's uh, presentation of the Daughters of the Regiment, which is pretty a pretty cool thing to have. I think you guys want to chime in on because I feel like I'm just dominating this. I'm just like try. I'm like crying. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Same. 
I was thinking about how much I love Carmen and stuff. And I was thinking about how much I love opera. And I just, when you said she appeared on stage, I just, my eyes just went. <laughs> like, this was an amazing. I'm just kind of upset that, like, it took me this to really, like, sit down and learn about her. But it's better than never doing it. Right. But, like, you're young and bomb. Right. She really is. I'm legit still crying, so you might as well keep going. I didn't think I would cry over this, but I'm crying. I knew you'd cry. Visionary lawyers, uh, the leftist feminist Dorothy. Canyon, Kenyon. I apologize for any names I butchered. Not that they're going to be listening, but still, I apologize. Yeah. And the queer black theorist, uh, Polly Mur- Murray, 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 had long had long argued that gender discrimination violated the Fourteenth Amendment's Equal Protection Clause, which had previously only applied to race. The Supreme Court had never agreed. It should. It hadn't budged much from its ruling a century before barring women from practicing law because per one justice, the paramount destiny and mission of women are to fulfill the noble and benign offices of women and mothers. This is the law of the creator. In her second brief to the Supreme Court, 1973's, oh my God, I'm never going to pronounce this. That's that case I mentioned. Yes. Fontanero versus Richardson. Mm -hmm. Could coolly observe that the method between the communication, the method of communication between the creator and the jurist, has never been disclosed. (laughs) Which, being married to a lawyer and having that level of snark in your Supreme Court brief is fucking epic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard the I've heard the first drafts of a lot of the stuff that my wife has written, and she's had to tone it back. And she's never even gotten <laughs> close to this. And if you know my wife, that's something. Because my mm. wife is a snarky. My wife is fucking snarkier than I am. I love her so much. I haven't talked to her in a hot minute. Oh. It's often said. It's often said, her work is that of women's liberation. However, in Justice Justice Ginsburg's own words, her work is for the liberation of both men and women. Her daughter Jane once said, Daddy did the cooking and mommy did the thinking. I love that. <laughs> but can you imagine for a minute being Ruth's daughter? Oh my God. Can you imagine the immense amount of pressure that's thrust upon her simply by being her daughter? Yeah. But can you imagine the, maybe not confidence, but like, the way her mother raised her. Oh, confidence is exactly the right word. Yeah, you're right. Like, could you imagine, like, the amount that, like, Ruth gave her daughter? Like, you are amazing. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Fuck these men. But that's, I don't that's care. You're right, right? Like, she she's fighting for her right to do with her life what she wants. It should be devoid of our expectation of whatever greatness or whatever. She yeah. has a right to live the life how she chooses. And, and she was given all the tools from her. And uh-huh. that's amazing. That's actually my next point that I have in my notes. Just oh, imagine for a second being RBG's daughter. Oh, the strength God. and determination, the shattering of what's expected. 
just seeing that day in and day out, it gives me hope for the future of this world. With the invention of social media, her work, her fire, can now be seen by oppressed people all over the world. It's not just limited to those of us who care about politics in the United States. It's not those of us who care to pick up a law journal, who are married to an attorney, you know, who have amazing female partners in their lives, who's, mm-hmm. who, who go out day in and day out and fight these same fights. It's not just a select few now. It can be seen by anybody in the world who needs that to, to be moving forward. And if a five foot one Jewish woman can overcome her meager upbringing, upbringing, the fight past McCarthyism to achieve what she did in her life, then anyone can accomplish any fucking thing that they want. There are no barriers. The only barriers are the barriers that we put on ourselves. That's what we need to take away from it. Do you remember when I was working in the cigar industry and um, I was managing a cigar shop and that's a very masculine, very Very masculine, masculine. very Mm -hmm. toxic masculine. Right. And I had to fight. I had to fight for respect. I had to fight for those guys to listen to me in the humidor. I had to fight. And one of my customers came in and looked me in the face and he's like, Oh, you have a child. And I said, yes. And he's like, you can't work full time, manage a cigar shop and have a child. And I'm like, says who? Right. Like says who? Yeah. You know what I mean? I just gave it up. Why can you do it? And I can't. Yeah. What makes you any better? Eight eight years. Eight years. Well, because you have ovaries, clearly. Um, after next sarcastic. month, I only have one, not two anymore. So does that make me better? It does. <laughs> it makes you can more do a little bit more then. <laughs> You'll get a 50% pay raise. Dude, I fucking wish. Mm. Like, let me tell you. Uh, as I stated, she was, a, she was appointed to the Supreme Court in 93. Um, in 1980, though, she was appointed to the D.C. Circuit Court by Carter and continued to be the dissenting voice on many opinions from the bench until her death, which I think we've covered. But she mm-hmm. had, so 80, she became a circuit judge in D.C., and then 93, she became a judge in the highest court in the land. Uh, for those of you who are not American, who may be listening to this, we have local, state, federal, and then Supreme Court, which rules overall. They're rulings are final there are supposedly uh non-biased which has really gone to shit in the last 12 years my Uh personal opinion is that justices on the bench shouldn't be political appointees they should just be the best judge for Mm -hmm. that and not because of their stance on gun control or abortion or whatever fucking bullshit hot button you want to throw at it uh, to okay. me, that's all completely immaterial. The court, sh- the court should be apolitical. Whether you're a conservative judge or a liberal judge, shouldn't really matter as long as you can hand out a ruling impartially. Uh, I have a thing about judges, which I probably hate more than cops, but we'll get into that for another day. <sighs> she died, unfortunately, on 18 September 2020 surrounded by her family and without her tireless and selfless resolve women today would not know the level of autonomy and protection under the law that they do 
the world is now a lesser place without her in it. And I saw a post on Twitter that sums it up better than I could ever be able to hope to do. Never before have so many people typed fuck at the same time. Mm, I, uh, I swear to God. You know, I, I kind of want to put in perspective the struggle and how long it took and then the strides, how quickly she made them. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if, I mean, if you're open to discussion on feminism. Bring it. Great. Okay. I want to highlight this by, I hate when feminists shame other women. So there's, there's a couple different kinds of feminism and it's your right to choose how you are. So if you want to, lean into being a homemaker and have children that's your right if you don't want to have children and you want to jet set around the world and you want to you know blaze a trail that is also your right no woman should shame another woman for how she has chosen to live her life if it's her choice i'm just saying because i i i wanted kids i had the kids but i'm not going to shame somebody else for not wanting children i think that's crazy and i've seen people do it Oh, you need to get yeah. settled down. You need to get married. No, no, no. Can but I tell you how many times I get told, when are you getting married? When are you having children? I'm 25. Yeah, fuck off. I'm good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the fun drunk aunt for a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, at its, at its core, feminism is political, economic, and cultural equality of women. All right. And it didn't really catch anything until the 70s till, till, you know, we had these things going on. And that's when women were seeking higher education in America and in Europe. So it's not exclusively American. However, the first time it was ever immortalized in writing was actually Plato. And it was weird coming from Plato because he has still had a feeling that men were superior. However, he wrote... Um, that sexual quality would benefit the interest of the community as a whole. I mean, it's such a small blip in the thing. You don't really see anything else progressive happen until the book of the City of the Ladies in the 15th century. Does anybody know anything about that? I do not. Fantastic. I don't. This is interesting. I'm only Uh, so woke. So woke. Well, I didn't hear anything about it until the last couple of days when I was looking into the history of feminism. Because I know the modern movement, I don't know anything prior to women's suffrage. So here we are. So in 15th century, this book was written by Christine D. Pizan. And the author describes the city where women are appreciated and defended. And she poses questions like a conversation and then answers them using allegorical figures of God's daughters. They're called reason, justice, and rectitude. It's a conglomeration of just female voices in this book, arguing that stereotypes of women can only be sustained if women are prevented from entering the conversation. She also poses that the virtue of the sex is the same because they're both created in God's images. So one can then affirm that their souls both equally have the capacity and capability to embrace the goodness and grace of God. If they pursue those three virtues named after the daughters of God, those are the keys to success, which I thought was very interesting. 
Yeah. Right. And then you really don't see any advocacy until Abigail Adams. Abigail Adams is the wife and mother of two U.S. presidents. So she was married to one and she bore one. Now, she was famous for her early advocacies of several um, decisive causes, including women's rights, female education, and the abolition of slavery. And her husband, John Adams, would constantly correspond with her about her advice on political matters. He considered it incredibly valuable. However, he kind of just kind of brushed off her suggestion that women should have a right to education to prepare better prepare their sons to be virtuous and strong leaders in the new republic. But she was so outspoken <laughs> that she was criticized during the 1800 presidential election for being so outspoken and domineering. But they won that election and she was the first lady moved into the White House when it moved to Washington, D.C. Have you ever read or seen Little Women? Yes. Yes. No. A lot of feminism in that movie. If you haven't seen the movie adaptation, the new one that came out a couple of years ago or last year, or times all I think it was just together. last year, yeah. The There's newest one. Several. Yeah. That movie is fantastic. I read the book. My mother read it to me. She read me Little House on the Prairie and she read me Little Women. <laughs> she read me Secret Garden. Like she read me that. That's something I remember very Your fondly. mother is amazing. Well, she was a reading specialist. I mean, she's just amazing. Well, thank you. It's, it's hard to hear because she can't even remember my name or write it, let alone how smart she was. But I think, I think there's a literary importance that's lost on this generation. I literally was talking to my therapist about this the other day. Okay, Catherine brought me home a book about a vampire kitty. That was on the same reading level suggestion as Benicula. Do yourself a favor, pick up Benicula and read it. It's shorter, but it it asks for the reader, the child, to be more intelligent. There's bigger words. There's more abstract concepts than, you know, uh, C-spot run for 16 mm-hmm. chapters. Do you remember Benicula? Did you ever read that? No. Please read no. it. Please read it. It's short. I, I will give you my copy. It's okay, just read it. amazing what what it's asking like a second or third grader to know compared mm-hmm. to C-Spot Run. I'm just saying. I believe it. Right. So the, the feminism thing comes in waves. And what's interesting um, about Ruth is she's part of two out of the three waves. Of feminism. Now these are debatable. There's four, whatever. Don't come at me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. Don't come at me. I don't care. I, I don't love care. You. There's three waves, I, and it's just kind of like the BCAD thing. Okay, whatever. But I think her what really sets up perspective for her and what she did is women's suffrage. Okay, ready? I'm ready for you. Go for it. Okay. So the Seneca Falls Convention was the first women's rights convention in the U.S. It took place in July 1848 in Seneca Falls, New York. It launched the women's suffrage movement. That movement took seven decades. Seven motherfucking decades. No. 
So the convention itself had very scarce publicity, but 300 people showed up. That's a lot for back then. Exactly. You want to know what my favorite part is? Tell us. The first day, only women were allowed to go. The second day, they were like, okay, men can come now too. I had a quiet golf clap. That's what that sound is. Like, I love it. Fuck them. So, Elizabeth, I'm going to say it's Katie. It's C-A-D-Y. I'm going to say Katie. Sure. Okay. Elizabeth Katie Stanton opened the meeting with a speech. Now, I'm going to quote it. At least a little piece, okay? Okay, cool. Just a little piece. Okay, I quoted most of my entire part, so... It's fine. We're great. So it starts with, we are assembled to protest against a form of government existing without the consent of the governed, to declare our right to be free as man is free, to be represented in the government which we are taxed to support, to have such disgraceful laws as give men the power to chastise and imprison his wife, to take the wages which she earns, the property which she inherits, and in the case of separation, the child of her love. So, like, that just sounds like a big fuck you to me, and I kind of love it. Right? Right. Okay, cool. Um, The convention... Reading this, she's like, mm-hmm. I'm so <laughs> sassy and I'm itchy and I'm moving and you might see a nip, so get over it. Um, I love the that convention, you're, like, new to this information and now you're finding empowerment in it. I love it. Yes. Um. So the I'm really glad. On, I'm really glad I brought up this topic. Then I am too because, yeah. like, listen, I live a very sheltered life. I'm not going to lie to you, and like, I have a lot of beliefs. But, like, do I know the history behind everything? No. I just know that I'm like, fuck you, and I'm right. So they had 11 resolutions on women's rights. Out of those 11, 10 were passed unanimously, except for the, re- um, the ninth resolution, which was the right to vote. Mm-mm. So they passed everything else, but they were like, no, fuck you, you can't have the right to vote. The five women who organized it were Elizabeth Cady Stanton. I'm butchering this name, and I'm so sorry. Lu- Lucretia? Lucretta? I don't know. I'm not looking know. at it. I'm trusting L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A. Lucretia Moss. Yeah. Mott. Sure. Mary McClintock, Martha Coffin-Wright, and Jane Hunt. So women finally got the right to vote in 1920. It took that motherfucking long. A hundred years ago. That was just a hundred years ago. It was August 18th or something. And it was a hundred years ago. Literally. Literally. Yeah. August 18th, 1920. So it only came with the passing of the 19th Amendment. And during the 1820s to the 30s, women were beginning to hate what historians called the cult of true womanhood, which Kev touched on where basically you have to be a submissive woman who wants to be a wife and mother and only care about your home. You know, you can eat dick, some good things. Um, The women's right movement gathered momentum, but then was slowed down when the civil war began. Mm. 
um, the 14th Amendment ratified in 1868 extends the Constitution's protections to all citizens, but went on to define citizens as male. So we still didn't matter. And then, (laughs) fuck, right? Like, why would I matter? The 15th Amendment gives black men the right to vote. And this is where, like, women kind of got smart. They were like, oh, we can play on our racist husbands. So they decided that if we tell our racist Southern husbands, hey, we'll vote with you and, like, zero out these black man's votes, maybe they'll give us the right to vote. It didn't work. But that was a really good idea. It was a great idea. Right? Like, let's just play on their racism because we know it's there. Tangentially related is that I can't remember who it was, but somebody just paid off the fines for 32,000 people in Florida so they can vote. Wow. Nice. I, re- I really wish I could remember who it was. Um, God damn it. It's just flew out of my head but yeah so as some of you know florida recently changed its law so that people who were formerly incarcerated can now vote which is mm-hmm. goddamn the entire state of florida <laughs> <laughs> fucking the entire state of florida has committed a crime at some point <laughs> <laughs> geriatrics and criminals so well, fifty-two thousand people uh, have had their fines paid off by this one man i can't remember his name unfortunately i apologize but so yeah, that's going to really change the dynamics of what's going of voting in Florida. I'm I'm real excited to see how this happens. See what plays out here now. Can I confess something? Yes. This is the first year that I registered to vote. Can I confess something? What? I'm not registered to vote. Fuck you. Go register. Look, my mother. You can do it on, there's a link on Facebook every time you open it. I know, but like so and Instagram and Twitter, fucking everything. Look, I get a, I get a notification from Nike. I know. Everyone my, really wants us to vote. No, look, okay. My mother, I thought she was crazy. Okay, before she got really, really, really sick was when um, the Obama elections were, and okay. she even she was so passionate, not just about Obama, but her her party and being able to participate as a woman because she loved civil war literature and Mm -hmm. things. Um, and, and, and all of those things, like it just, uh, and being a woman in college in the seventies, when this stuff was going on, my mother thought it was so important to vote and I didn't understand it until the last four years. You know what I mean? I, I, I did not get it. And now I'm like, Holy shit. (laughs) It matters. Um, so I, I mean, I watched her go to the, I watched her, you know, make the phone calls, you know, for Obama and work at the, at the office and things. And she would take, she was so proud. I waited in the car that year while she voted and she came out with her little, little sticker and she was so proud. And now she can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? She can't vote at all. And my heart's just breaking. And I didn't realize how important it was, you know, and how hard we fought for it and all this shit. You know what I mean? It sounds fucked up. I'm 30, 30, almost 34 years old. And I did not, it did not dawn on me until this year how important it was. You, you, you've been voting since you were old enough to vote, right, Kev? Um, my, it was the 04 election 
I remember it quite well because I was trying to get an absentee ballot because I was at state college doing the getting drunk five nights a week thing and <laughs> getting a degree in political science alongside of it. And, um, all my professors except one had canceled classes on election day. And unfortunately the one who hadn't was my 8am professor. And I liked that class and I wasn't going to skip it, which is dumb of me. And then I got an email about 10 o'clock at night saying, I'm canceling classes tomorrow. So you guys can go vote. Great. Thanks. Wrote him back an email and said, Hey, I was actually waiting for you to cancel classes so I can actually go back to to my home and vote because I fucked up and can't get an absentee ballot. Really appreciate you. Bye. Called my mom and my mom drove three and a half hours one way to pick my fat ass up, drive me home that night so I could get up and vote the next day and then drive my ass back to Penn state, turn around and drive right back. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, in this one, like pissed me off. So, like, there's gonna be a lot of that in this history. So, oh, yeah, I'm just letting you know. Like, mm-hmm. I'm kind of pissed. Where's the rest of my notes? Is this all I'm I sorry, Sadie. Okay, this so, is gonna be a long one, and I'm not cutting it. I love you. Forgive me. I love you too. But like, this is the last of my notes, so like, we can let it go. In 1923, the National Women's Party proposed an amendment to the Constitution that prohibited all discrimination on the basis of sex. They didn't give a fuck if you were a man or if you were a woman. They just didn't want you to discriminate. They called it the Equal Rights Amendment, and it's never been ratified. Are you mad too? Because I was mad. I'm mad. Like, I was mad. (laughs) Do we have to wait 100 years for this? Because that's only three, and I can wait that long. I mean, a small... like. Small things, you know. So, you like, know. well, we're hitting, we're hitting what wave two of feminism. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're a third of the way there. There's a book that came out in 1963 that kind of lit a fire under people's ass. Okay. Okay. It's called The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedman. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Look, I Pittsburgh. All right, Ian's are gonna have to forgive me. Okay, so we're going back to that fifties mentality, right? So that's when she would have been in her what twenties if she was born in thirty something. Anyway, the the book goes back and it says women have two purposes: housewife, mother, period. And the women were not fucking happy about it. So the author challenged women's media and advertising for creating this misrepresentation of women. Big shocker, they're all designed by men. And she explains that even she had conformed to those standards when she decided to raise her children instead of pursuing a promising career in psychology. And she discusses phase one when women were on the right to education, careers, and the right to vote. But by the end of the novel, she calls for all women to find meaningful work that uses their full mental capacity and overcome adversity, right, that is often present when journeying to self-actualization. And she wanted all these women to redefine what it means to be feminine. 
Okay. Then you get into the, the Equal Rights Amendment, right? Um, but then you hit wave three, where they start fighting for women of color, lesbians, immigrants, and religious minorities. It also took on uh, major issues of rape, domestic violence, sexual harassment, and also tackling sexual liberation and transgender rights. And I think what's really interesting about domestic violence too is there's a misconception where it's just women men being beaten mm -hmm. and laugh at men who file charges against women who beat yeah. them. So there is <clears throat> a disparity, like there's gender roles and it's stupid because it still exists. But this started out in the 90s. It was a good decade, 90s. There was a feminist punk movement known as Riot Girl with three R's. Um, and it <laughs> challenged the persistent constructs of femininity from society, family, and peers, and also within the punk scene. And I remember like punk because I did the punk thing. Um, unfortunately, it ultimately failed, though, because the rhetoric was so harsh that it was often misrepresented in the press. So that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. Feminism still has that same problem. It does. Because a lot of a lot of especially men are like, oh, feminism. They don't want you know. They don't want men. They don't want to have sex. This that. Mm -hmm. Modern feminism. Feminism is just saying, go out and have all the consensual sex that you want, if you want to have it. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. I think what sucks is that ultimately the punk thing kind of moved underground again, but. What really reinvigorated the third wave, and this hurts my soul, is Anita Hill. Do you remember Anita Hill, Kev? The name is familiar. I can't place it though. I think you're you're gonna. It's gonna. Seen R and B star? Huh? No, that was no. Lauren Hill. Sorry. No. No, I Anita, got confused with Lauren Hill. <laughs> Anita Hill is a woman of color who accused Clarence Thomas of sexual harassment. Now, Clarence Thomas was a judge of color who had been nominated to the US Supreme Court by George Bush Sr. She had to testify publicly, which means it was televised, about his violations toward her as he was the supervisor, when she worked under him, because he was the supervisor of the Department of Education. Now, I have a quote from, from my source here and um, where she says, he spoke about such matters as women having sex with animals, films showing group sex or rape scenes. And then she sat at it on several occasions that Thomas, Lee, Thomas graphically described his own sexual prowess and details of his own anatomy. They subjected Anita to a polygraph test. Okay, and then when she came up as truthful, they deemed that well, polygraph tests are not reliable, and therefore That's Thomas what I was just going to say. Mm -hmm. I fucking Thomas, knew it. Thomas would, didn't have to take one. Yeah, and they also discredited her because there was a ten-year time lapse between the, the actual happenings and when she placed the allegations. What sucked is, is he was her boss once, but twice. So her dream was to work in the civil rights field. 
And he went to the EEOC and she followed because of the reputable position that was available to her. And it was more important to her career to put this on the back burner. And she laments that lapse in judgment, which is why she chose to spoke up, speak about it later. The court ruled in favor of the judge. Narrow margin, 52 to 48. Gee, doesn't that sound oddly... Hmm, wonder why. Doesn't it seem oddly similar to another justice who just got appointed not too long ago, Brett Kavanaugh? Mm. <laughs> Spill the tea, Kev. What's just the tea? Saying. I'm just saying. You know. Implications the tea. What's nice is, is 1992, that Kev mentioned earlier, was dubbed the Year of Women. Okay. Four women entered the U.S. State Senate to join the two that were actually there. The following year, another woman... Wait, wait, wait. let's just stop for a second to take in those numbers. It took till 1992 mm-hmm. for six women to be in the Senate. Six. That is fucked. Out of how many people are in the Senate? I'm stupid, I can't remember right now. I can't remember either. I just because I'm on the I don't spot. Fucking know. Google. What do you think I'm doing? How many seats are in the Senate? Not a lot. By comparison, I'm sure. Keep going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna figure it out. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. In the following year, another woman, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, won a special election, bringing the the number to seven in the U.S. Senate women. I feel like there has to be at least 50. I think it's 100. I think it's two from each state. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah it is 100. Too. Okay. So seven, it's 100. It's two from each state. 7%. 7% were women by 1993. Mm. Also, the 90s saw the first female attorney general, Janet Reno, and Secretary of State, Madeline Albright. And we see our second ever woman to the Supreme Court, our lovely Ruth. And then um, I don't really want to mention Hillary Clinton, but she did have an independent political, legal, and activist career during this time. So I have the mixed feelings on her, but year of the 90s. I think the only other recent invigoration of the women's movement is that hashtag me too in 2017 but i think with everything going on you know that um kev's right this is something we need to talk about we need to research mm-hmm. we need to know <laughs> you know i mean i didn't know a lot of it and now i'm more angry which is good be angry yeah we need to be angry because that's the only way anything is going to get done. Mm-hmm. Though I'm struggling to find the best ways to implement said anger. I mean, there's there's protests, there's you know um, petitions going around to not fill her seat um, until the right. We saw I signed one. I, saw, I think I signed two. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sadly, sadly, he's already has the votes, and they're going to ram this thing through. 
in complete hypocrisy to 2016 when they wouldn't they do wouldn't, it. 114, 115, 116 days before the election, and now we're in the low 40s, 42, 41, and they're just going to ram this thing in, and they have no shame. Who are they ramming into the spot? Do they want to take enough. even more of my rights away? Well, I'm just I'm curious f- what the rumors are. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but the rumor is that it's going to be a conservative Catholic woman. Oh, no. Nuh-uh. So, get your IUDs now. Listen, I need to get married. Who's going to marry me? Let's go. Listeners, who's going to marry Brandy? I'm a so, really good cuddler. <laughs> God. Live this woman tells me dating. I can't do something. I will fuck it up. Like, I will scream. So, I mean, yeah, if we have I mean, to go through a back door to get it done, we're going to get it done. I don't. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I have to beat up doctor's face in with my own fists. I will go to jail defending your right to robberies. Uh, honestly. Well, it was, it was a jam-packed episode. It was an emotional roller coaster. It was. <laughs> and Brandy Stan doesn't want to work. But I... Um, nope, it's fine. I, what? I think what, this is a journey. It was a journey. It's just like uh, you're empowered... Then you cry and then you lament and then you celebrate and then you just, you're in an inevitable, like me, I'm just like torn Mm -hmm. between empowerment and utter disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. Like my heart hurts. It really does. Any final thoughts, Kev, before we we move on to the, the fun ending of the thing? Um. Ruth was a badass, and she was taken from us far too early. It's it's weird to say that someone who lived 86 years was taken to, from us far too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is a God, I don't understand his purpose for taking her right now. He couldn't have waited 43 days. Um, right? Some angels just need to be in heaven. I, I find it telling that even on her deathbed, knowing she's going to die surrounded by her loved ones, her final thoughts were for the future of the of the courts and the country in particular. Uh, that's that's not something that most people would be thinking about when they're surrounded by their friends and family, uh, knowing that their their time on this planet has has reached its end. So there's nothing we can probably do to stop her seat from being filled because. I know we have some conservative listeners, and I'm sorry, man, but your party's fucked. They are they have obfuscated their responsibilities to this country. And you may need to take a long, hard look at what the Republican Party currently stands for versus what they should stand for. There's more to this country than gun control and abortion. Which, how is it fucking 2020? We're still having a debate about abortion. It's, it's my if, fucking body. If you don't have a uterus, you don't have a fucking voice. Like, I don't want to hear the it. Same. Thank you. Because I say like, that so many times. Like, do I have thoughts on abortion? Of course I do. Because I'm a human being who thinks about things. But like, do, so do my, my thoughts, thing. Do my thoughts on abortion 
matter more than Brandy's or Steph's or my wife's or somebody who's actually going to be impacted by this fucking legislation? No, because I'm not the one who has to deal with it. Yeah, no. As someone who came from the foster care system, it does not work. If you're going to tell me, oh, don't get an abortion, plenty of families want these kids. Fix this fucking system, and then maybe we can talk. Maybe then. Because the system does not work. The system keeping families together as much as they can is the reason I have one of my oldest nieces and the reason I have my oldest great nephew. At 25, I am a great aunt because my oldest brother raped both my sister and my oldest niece. And that is how they came about. Because the system thought, oh, let's keep this family together. It's fucked. Fix it. And then we can have this abortion argument. I'm still stuck on the the weight of one lady's dying words. I mean, I could argue these things all day, but the fact is, is like, I like, I'm afraid to die. And I keep thinking about it because I almost died. And mm-hmm. I just kept thinking like, oh, here I go. I did nothing with my life. And this woman's last words, her last words are don't fill my seat. Mm -hmm. To be worried about that. I can't let that go right now. She's also the only woman in U.S. history to be laid in state for viewing at at the Senate. It's never happened before. Can that be our weird but true? Uh, No, I have something way better than that. Okay, what is it? I need to know. Okay, so, fun fact, a blue whale's anus can stretch to approximately three and a half feet, making it the second largest asshole on the planet, right behind Mitch McConnell. (laughs) The palate cleanser, oh my god. (laughs) What? I was expecting that. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Just kill Brandy looks abjectly confused. Mitch McConnell is the is the head of the majority Senate, which is the Republicans, <laughs> and he's the one trying to shove somebody into okay. the seat forty days before the fucking election. Oh, okay. Which is probably yeah, going to be a contested like election. Which is probably going to be a contested election, which will probably go to the Supreme Court. So they're trying to fill that seat, which I get in that you don't want to have eight justices on the court because then you can come up with it. The reason there's nine justices on the, on the Supreme Court is the odd number is there so that there's never a tie. Right. So with eight justices, you can have a tie. So that's why there's always an odd number of justices on the Supreme Court. Right. It's 40 days. So maybe we should just get a w- rid of one more. There you go. I can take one off the top of my head. Just put them in timeout for a little bit. I was thinking something a little bit bigger, but you know. I mean, jail. We can arrange that. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because that's just not a good idea. Okay. I don't think I have a good non-offensive dare for this. Hmm. Non-offensive dare. 
Okay, my darling witches, it's time for your weekly non-offensive dare. You must be a Patreon to participate so you can earn points for your house. Each month, the house with the most points gets to vote on weekly non-offensive dares, topics of future episodes, and so much more. Each week, once you've gotten your dare, you must safely and creatively complete a post on social media so that we can see that you've done the task. You can tag us at Twitter at Macabre Academy, or you can tag us on Instagram at The Macabre Academy, and you must include a hashtag with your house name to obtain the points. The world is a fucked up place. These dares are designed to bring silliness and random acts of kindness into the world. You must safely complete your dare. If you are unsafe, your points will not be counted. You can also earn additional points for your house by being the first to submit episode corrections to us at themacabacademy at gmail.com. Also, if we use your ideas or stories in a future episode, more points may be awarded. Let's return to the podcast to see what your weekly non-offensive dare will be. Number one or two. Yes. That's on here somewhere. Non-offensive dare. Register to vote. I like it. Okay. I will take it. That that is the non-offensive dare for this episode. I'm, I'm just, we're rolling with it. That's perfect. I think the cutoff's like October something, right? Like October 7th or something stupid. October 10th. Probably. Yeah, so it's perfect. Non-offensive dare. Perfect. I didn't even... I, just do it. Done. Do it. Okay. I think, I think we should so just that was a ride. On. It was. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I... Thank you, Kev. I think that thank this you, was... Thank you, Kev. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. We're just, I think we just need to end on that note. Hope you guys learned some stuff. Yeah. Register to vote. Learn the things. Vote. Yes. All right. That's it for this week, kitties. We'll have something more lighthearted next time. Yes, we will. We're, we're doing pirates. We are doing pirates. We're doing pirates. And that's okay. it. You guys are going to bed. Week. Go register to vote. Do Make it. Make good decisions. You don't have to make good decisions. Yes, you do. I'm not going to judge you. We're not here to kink shame. <laughs> I'm not here to judge you. I'm not your mother. All right. Night, guys. Bye. Good night. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning Bye. in. Justice Ginsburg, will you raise your right hand and repeat after me? I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear... I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. 
and that I will well and faithfully discharge and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter the duties of the office on which I am about to enter so help me God so help me God podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>